morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, the deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims, even in a pandemic. Yes, yes, we always have choices. So we should pause, take a breath, and just, you know, just sort of think and pray to the ancestors and think about, you know, sort of what our options might be. If we can think of any, if not, just just be open to uh, other types of options than those that are presented, which might not be in our best interest. Uh, we are so excited to have Ia Funlayo, E. Wood Menzies, uh, doctor of, of spiritual traditions, who is joining us to talk about the African and African Diasporic Religious Studies Association Adrasa 2021 conference next weekend. Oh my God, raising the dead! I just love talking about the Agungun, the ancestors. So welcome, Ia Funlayo. Thanks so much for joining us, and your friends for joining us too. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you and to just get to spend time with you, to get to spend time with the community. And I thank you so, so much for all of your continued support of the African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association for several years now. I just, you know, it it makes my heart so warm how the community has supported this conference, and you have been a big part of that. So thank you. You're welcome, and I've been able to attend. You just do so much with your university. Oh, my goodness, please, you know, make sure you let people know about that. You've had some really wonderful um, uh, sessions, you know, language class, as well as, you know, sessions with some of our esteemed uh, scholars, you know, in African and African diasporic religious um, paths. And um, yes. your community, your community university, yeah. And then you have weekly worship services. You have a podcast that's happening in like less than an hour. I mean, you are just like doing it, as they say. Um, <laughs> I say, oh, I say, give thanks to the ancestors. Give thanks to the spirits for the energy, because uh, yeah, we keep it popping. I say, you ray in the ADRSA, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you do keep it popping, and and right now. Um, you know, you are uh, located in South Carolina, 
And and you write in your bio that um uh let's see, your favorite scholar priestess of Ife Orisha, an intuitive divine you're an intuitive diviner in South Carolina, Virginia descendant hoodoo, whose mantra is scholarship, service and spirit. Spirit permeates uh both your scholarship and your service. And you founded uh Ashe Iray in 2010, and you've been going ever since. It's a place to share your spiritual gifts and the things you've learned from your teachers within the world, especially those new to African spirituality. This is a place for folks to, like, land. This should be, like, one of your favorites. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, yeah. And and now your your organization is Ilay Ashe Iray Incorporated a full operational temple and community hosting weekly worship services and much more, as we already mentioned. And you write that you've communed with the ancestors in the spirit world since you were a child, and you've been reading tarot uh, intuitively and doing the work since you were a teenager for more than 20 years. Oh, my goodness. And you were initiated to Abatala Oshuna Ifa in 2008 in uh, Isara Remo, Ogun State, Nigeria, by Chief uh, Afu Wape, uh, Olotunji, and uh, and Yeye um, Ola. I don't know how to pronounce that. Ola Suimbo Olomo Wewe. Yes, give mm, thanks to yeah. all of the elders. Give thanks to all of my elders and teachers. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm going to let you just call their names uh, as opposed to my trying yes, to yes. pronounce things. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's okay. Yes, I, I just I give thanks for those who initiated me. Also to my teachers here in the States, and I've learned with many elders. So I just give thanks to all of all of my elders, Jacob Olupona, who is my, my scholarly father. Um, I just call out all the names of my teachers. Um, that is really one of our essences of African spirituality is honoring those who have come before, honoring those who have laid the path. And so that is uh, why we venerate the ancestors, and we're also meant to venerate those who pour into us while they're still here, give us our, give them their flowers while they're still here, as you know some of the old folks say. So um, yeah. it is it is an honor to be able to call their names and to be able to still have so much wonderful support um, from the community, from the elders. It is a, a joy and an honor to have the elders look on you and say, yes, you're doing a good job, and and to support what you do. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. And and I wanted you um, to uh, also, you know, continue with regards to, because um, I don't know how to pronounce some of these names again, um, <laughs> with regards to the spiritual expansion, um, you know, and you, your participation um, in African and indigenous ceremony around the world, including um, Akan Okom at the Black and White Shrine in Kumasi, Ghana, and I've been there. Uh, and then nice. your communion with uh, La Madre, I don't know how to Ayahuasca, it. yes, Ayahuasca. Yeah, and Lama Peru. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and uh, Tomascal in uh, Michoacan, Mexico, uh, Mexico. And I've been there, too, and I'm like, whoa, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so heck awesome. Michoacan, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah, it's yeah. such a beautiful totally. area of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yeah, my daughter studied abroad at the University of Guanajuato when I went to visit her, and we went to Michoacan mm. um, together. Oh, sweet. Um, the Dia de los specifically, because that was so beautiful. It was pouring rain, and everybody was honoring their ancestors. It was like, yes, this is the place. Mm. Thanks. Yeah. And and then the museum where, you know, there are these um, old, old bones. Oh, my goodness. That was so phenomenal looking at, you know, being there where you could, um, you know, see these, um, you know, the relics of, of these, 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 um, uh, these ancestors who have gone on. I mean, that was like the preservation of, of that particular site. Yes, yes. So, I mean, of all of the topics you could be, <laughs> um, you know, as, you know, in this particular conference, Raising the Dead, oh, my gosh, and all of your wonderful presenters, oh, gosh, um, tell us about that, and, and also as you tell us about, you know, your um, your work at Harvard and your Ph.D. in African and African-American studies and religion and how you have, you know, sort of uh, made that into um, an institution, you know, sort of talk about, you know, sort of weave the two stories together as you tell us about this year. Sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Wanda, again, thank you so much for your graciousness and support and, and just um, just all of your wonderful energy and all of the work that you do in the community with the Ma'afa. We're looking forward to having you giving us a, a wonderful tour, so I'm going to turn it back on you and have you tell us about that for one moment uh, as we continue. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, you're going to be the interviewee a little bit, too. But um, I'm I'm thrilled to have been able to, as you said, I, I earned my PhD in African and African American Studies and Religion at Harvard. And while I was a grad student, I founded the African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association in order to support scholarship on African and African diasporic religions, and as well in order to create a bridge between the scholars and the community. All too often, um, the scholars who have studied our traditions have not looked like us, have not been practitioners, and, um, you know, have not treated the community or welcomed the community in to their discussions um, in the way that I believe should happen, especially because those in the community are the ones who are the holders of the knowledge. And so the ADRSA is a mixture of uh, academic conference, spiritual ceremony, community gathering. It has been a become an institution in the community, which I'm very proud of. We started in 2012, and we're now on our ninth conference, which I am just thrilled about. We've had wonderful elders, including uh, Baba Wandea Bimbala, the late and great Soban Fusome. We've had Yeye Louis Satish. Um, we've had Robert, Dr. Robert Farris Thompson, a flash of the spirit, uh, Dr. John May, uh, Baba John Mason, who spoke last year. And this year, we are so excited to have Her Royal Majesty, Queen Mother Dawuti this year, uh, who is a queen mother, Mambo uh, in Haitian Vaudoux, and she has written a book called Redlining a Holocaust, Memorials and People of the Afro-Atlantic, um, in which she discusses the idea of the ancestors and memorialization 
And so we chose to invite her because we, yes, have, especially in the midst of the challenge that we're having with COVID, as you and I discussed a little bit backstage about, you know, how everyone has been touched by this, everyone has lost uh, people in their family, I personally have as well, Um, and then as spiritual people needing to make sense of these things. Right. What what does this mean? How do we carry on in the face of such challenges? How did our ancestors carry on in the face of the challenges that, that they had to go through? And so this year's conference theme is Praising and Raising the Dead, Life, Death, and Rebirth in Africana Religions. And so we're going to talk about the meanings of life, of death, and of rebirth. We're going to talk about how We celebrate and cope with the realities of life and death. We have 20-plus scholarly presentations from scholars from uh, universities, including CUNY, Florida State, Tufts, Harvard, Bowdoin, from all over the country, University of Texas, Austin. And then we also have a practitioner panel where we have uh, an OBIA practitioner speaking, Candomblé practitioner, we have a film festival that will be held. All of this is going to be online, mind you. So we sh- we shifted online last year. Normally, all of this has been in person. The first uh, seven years or so, or six, yeah, seven years, we were at Harvard while I was there as a grad student, and then we transitioned. We've actually been uh, wonderfully blessed to partner with the Center for African and African American Studies at Southern University at New Orleans. So the last um, 2018 and 2019, we held the conference there in person. And then, of course, last year, 2020, we had to shift online because of COVID. Um, had over 600 people come last year, and so we're looking to top that this year. So everyone <laughs> is invited to join us. If, you know, you are not able to afford the ticket, you can make a donation of $5, as little as $5 to get access. We don't ever want money to be a barrier to people participating in this with us. It's a whole weekend event, so we'll have uh, film festivals on Saturday, We'll have um, movement with one of our community movement practitioners, Baba Oludari of Curate Wellness. We will have um, a special surprise concert. So last year, our surprise concert came from the group Oshun. This year, we have a wonderful uh, surprise guest who's going to be giving us a, a concert as well on Sunday. So we're just looking forward to all of the scholarship and all of the fellowship Um, It's a joy to be able to do. It brings together each of my worlds, as you said, scholarship, service, and spirit. So it brings together the scholarship, it brings together the service to the community, and it also, of course, spirit is involved in everything. So we're going to be pouring libation, reading poetry, you know, praising and raising the dead. That's what we're going to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, I was there last year, um, and I was able to attend one of one of the uh, conferences at at Harvard, and yeah. I think that was with um, uh, Baba uh, Ambimbola. Um, yeah, and that was really really that awesome. That was so. I, oh man, I mean, he is a treasure. <laughs> Every one of the things that just one thing I love about our community. I don't care. Don't believe the hype. Anybody who's listening about we don't support each other. That is nonsense. We are all we got. And when you are truly doing something that is for the people, the people support. I mean, 
that's the beautiful thing, to have the type of elders, the people of the caliber that we've had, and their graciousness and their willingness to come, um, especially when we were a student organization and really didn't have funding to offer them, you know, big honorariums or anything like that. It just the desire. So bon may rest the dirty bae whose fee, you know, fees would be in the tens of thousands normally. I mean, came for a few hundred dollars because she said, no, I want to talk to my people, to my community, the people of color. And she, um, I encourage you actually her, that talk is on YouTube. If you search ADRSA, yes, yes, you can Ah. definitely check that out. Um, And she spoke about these different spheres of existence that we have and, and this idea that sometimes um, as is said in the Bible, that a prophet is not known in their own home. And so she talks about how sometimes the fact that we don't feel like we belong wherever we are is a sign that we are bigger than wherever we are and that we need to reach out and touch the world. And so she inspired me so much with that. And, and um, she spoke about the Dagara cosmology and how mm-hmm. it radiates out from the individual. And so experiences like that. Uh, at our conferences are just so powerful, and again, bringing together the scholarship and the practice is is a huge part of it for me, and so 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 very meaningful. Mm, wow! Yeah, she um she did a morning ritual here um in Oakland. Mm. It was paid for through um the um I'm not sure I think it might have been Alameda County um public health because um like right now in Oakland there's a large number of homicides, um, like larger than last year by, like, double. Like, hundreds of people have been killed since January and, and injured wow. through, you know, um, gun, uh, with handgun um, <clears throat> violence. And, and then the side shows are in every neighborhood. The police chief was calling for more resources because he said they don't have enough. They have to decide, okay, do I do I respond to um, to the the violence in the community, you know, homicide, or do we, you know, try to keep uh, uh, things from happening at the sideshows you know, insofar as, you know, people getting injured, but they can't do both. And and, and I'm sure Oakland is just, uh, just uh, indicative of, you know, what's happening throughout the country because when people are grieving or feeling powerless and, and don't necessarily have a spiritual tradition or or a way to sort of, um, uh, I guess uh, diffuse these kinds of um, feelings in in a, a more healthy way than people sort of like act out. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and actually, um, Ali Doma Somme talks about this quite a lot. The uh, um, mm-hmm. the fact that our youth are missing what they're missing is initiation. What they're missing mm-hmm. is rites of passage. And they act out those that they initiate each other, right? They even call the gang, joining a gang an initiation, right? They they That's make true. up these ways mm-hmm. to initiate each other. They make up these ways. They make up these rituals which are destructive because they don't have the connection to the ancestors, because they don't have largely connection to the elders, families being broken, you know, all of these situations whereby they don't have an outlet for the feelings. They don't have the young men's warrior society, the women's societies, the places to teach them about who they are 
and they only have the the negative, the stereotypes, the destructive ideas of who they are, and so they become that, right? And mm-hmm. so that is why, for me, the scholarship, the service, and the spirit all have to come together because I couldn't go, and this is part of why I founded uh, the university, as you mentioned, because I couldn't, in my conscience, in my heart of hearts, go to Harvard, get this education, spend time traveling to the continent, collecting these philosophies, writing about them, doing all this, and then come back and pour that into other people. That makes no sense to me. I said, no, I have to pour this into my people because this is what can really help us get out of the situations. When we talk about how we're going to get out of this situation that we are in with police killing us, with us killing each other, with all of the things that are happening, it is through understanding who we are and coming back into communion with our ancestors, coming back into communion with our ancestral ways. And this is not to romanticize the past because, of course, not every ancestral way is something we want to bring forward, but that's why we have the concept of Sankofa, which is to go back and get the meaningful and useful things Right, and bring them forward. And so that is what we do both through ADRSA and also through Ashe Ire, where we teach and train in ancestral spirituality and then Ashe Ire Community. So we do teach, uh, we actually have a cycle running right now, and the next one will be running in June, where we teach Yoruba language uh, levels one and two. We teach, I teach tarot divination. I've been a tarot diviner since I was a teenager. Um, And so I teach tarot divination from an African spiritual perspective. Um, We have had Reiki training through the community. We have um, neuro-linguistic programming training that will be coming up. I mean, just all of the different modalities of healing and self-work and community building, that is what both Ashe Ire and the ADRSA are all about because it is needed and that this is the only way to heal us. It is not, although, of course, political action is important, the thing that we miss is that in order to even motivate people to go out and vote, to go out and do anything political, they have to understand what they're even fighting for in the first place. And many of our people don't know what we are fighting for. We know what we're fighting against, right? We know that we're fighting against white supremacy and against being killed and against violence and against this and that. But you can't build by fighting against things. You have to build by fighting for something. And so that is what the uh, ancestral spirituality, that is the key to figuring out what are we fighting for? We are fighting for ireowo, ireomo, ireaiku, the blessing of wealth, the blessing of children, the blessing of long life. We are fighting for ilera, orire, atialafia. We are fighting for health. We are fighting for peace, right? We are fighting for goodness in our lives. These are the things that we want to bring in, and ancestral spirituality and community building is how we will bring those things in. We can't just be anti. We have to be constructive and moving towards something. And so that is absolutely the aim both at the ADRSAN of the Ashe Ray and, and Iafun Lyo period. That's what I'm all about. 
bringing together. So we will also have a black business marketplace, right? We're about building black businesses, building wealth in the community. You know, I'm doing a lot of investment and just a lot of different things to help us understand that this goes beyond, quote, unquote, spirituality. Our ancestral uh, systems were holistic systems that were economic, sociological, psychological, right, uh, agricultural on every level. And so we now, too, have to be involved at every level, and that is how we heal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wisdom dropping here. Yes, yes, yes. So tell our audience, how do they attend this wonderful conference and get connected to all of these great um, tributaries that are coming out of your um, various organizations that you just mentioned and we've been talking about? Yes. So what, so what is the Absolutely. portal? Where do they like? What do they like tap into well, all of this? Well, the portal for everything. <laughs> there's, there's two primary portals for everything. So asheiray.com can pop on over there, uh, join our mailing list, you know, subscribe to the YouTube and all of that. Asheiray, that's A-S-E-I-R-E.com. And then the uh, portal for the scholarly organization is A-D-R-S-A.org. That is ADRSA.org, which stands for the African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association. You are also very warmly welcome to go ahead and send me a text at 917-634-4680. That's 917-634-4680. And you can connect with me. That actually comes directly to my phone. You can connect with me, and that is those, those are like the, the closest insiders who get, you know, everything that I'm doing. I just send it out to make sure if, if you're really loving what you hear and you want to stay close to me, that's the best way. But com and adrsa.org, um, those are the two portals. So to register for the conference, which all of the festivities start next Thursday evening, you can do that at adrsa.org. There's a button right on the front page for you to register for the conference. We would love to have you. As I said, don't let any ticket price dissuade you. You can make a donation as low as $5 to get access to the entire weekend uh, worth of fun. And we want everybody to be there with us. We want the family to be feeling good. We want you to be prayed up. We want you to be learned up. Um, you can also search for the ADRSA or actually just go to our website, adrsa.org, and you'll see a link to our YouTube. And so you can actually, the entire conference from last year is on YouTube, so you can get even, you know, if you're ready to jump in right now, you don't want to wait till next Friday, um, <laughs> check out that conference on YouTube. Baba John Mason gave the keynote. It was absolutely amazing yes, on <laughs> the female Orisha, that one was on uh, the Divine Feminine and Masculine. So it was it was fantastic. And and many of our past conference uh, talks are on the website. So we just look forward to welcoming you. And, and as you mentioned, uh, at noon today, so 12 today, we will have uh, the Midweek Recharge, which features myself and one of my elders, Yalode Yeyefini Efumbolade, shout out to her. Um, we will be having the midweek recharge at noon. So you can uh, head to youtube.com slash Ashe Iray, 
and uh, join us at noon for some prayer and meditation. Uh, we have co-working spaces. We've just got all kind of stuff going on. That's why I said just text me or join the <laughs> mailing list, and you'll get emails about everything, but 917-634-4680. Send me a text there. <laughs> that's the best way to stay close to me. Mm-hmm, right, and and that's uh, 12 noon um, Eastern time. So that'd be nine. Eastern nine time, a.m. yes, yes, nine a.m. Cali time. Shout out to my Cali fam. You know, I know my Cali fam is like you just left and just went on to North Carolina. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I, I gotta say that this is even an ancestral story, right? Because as mm-hmm. you noted, I have ancestry in South Carolina and Virginia, and initially was looking at those two places to possibly move to, and where I ended up landing was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is about equidistant between the two of my ancestral homes. So it's just, it's, I'm like, yo, ancestors, y'all be doing it. They pulled me here. Um, onto a beautiful parcel of land, which I'm super excited to open up in various ways in the coming months. Um, you know, a lot of exciting things are going to be going on. So I absolutely welcome you to connect with me, um, connect with the family. You know, it's, it's beyond me. I'm so excited to have a wonderful Elay filled with powerful spirit workers. Ashe'i Ray is a house of healers, and so we really look to bring the spiritual healing to the community. We have Reiki healers and diviners and, you know, uh, one of my goddaughters is a therapist. Like, just, you know, we really look to bring all of the different healing modalities together uh, for the community because that is what it's all about. It's not just about, you know, the talking and looking cute. You know, as I always say, the gay lays and the bees, I like to look fly and all that is cute. I like to use big words. It's cute. It's fun. But beyond that, <laughs> right, this is this is for our holistic healing. And so, you know, I just invite you to come on and get some of this medicine and, you know, join up with us and, and enjoy and have a good time. Remember that this is all supposed to be joyful. African spirituality is joyful. We make joyful noise. We beat our drums. We ring our bells. We clap our hands. We dance. Right? So that's why we got live DJs come in for the conference, all kinds of things. Shout out to DJ Funke, shout out to DJ Sabine, Oya Sound. They're going to be in the house spinning Afro house spiritual music. It's just going to be all of that. So, again, ADRSA.org to register for the conference and send me a text at 917-634-4680. Yes, wow. <laughs> yes, it is. It is really all that for sure. And because uh, I've been in the house um, like physically as well as virtually, and Yo, it is so Wanda, fun. Wanda, I like cannot goodness. wait. When we get to be <laughs> back in person, Lord, yes, we're going to yes, need a yes. stadium. When I'm trying to tell you, it's going to be – actually, <laughs> we're so – I'm thrilled because um, Southern University at New Orleans, shout out to um, all of the mm-hmm. folks down there who are just so wonderful at Casuno. Um, they actually just built a brand-new auditorium that we were to use last year, but, you know, again, with COVID. So the next Mm -hmm. time we go live, they have a brand-new auditorium that holds, like, a 1,000 people. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the goal is going to be to to have that, you know, ready. And um, for us to really be together and kick it, we we do spiritual trips uh, around the world, you know, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned as well, to Peru, to Nigeria, to 
Cuba, um, to many different locales, um, and always with the intention of communing with the indigenous culture, communing with the healing, again, with the healing. You know, yeah. so that's what I this, want to go to Burkina Faso. All right, well, I'm gonna work it out. Listen, you let me. You you don't okay. you said it. We work it out. Mm-hmm. We work out. Work it out. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and and tell people about the film um, that was um, through um, KQED uh, about um, different different um, African traditional uh, spiritual spirituality, and and you were the you were the person um, like the point person on on that particular episode. Because that's not in yes. your body. Yes, oh, you're speaking about, yes, about um, uh, Sacred Journeys, which is uh, yes. through yes. PBS. Um, mm-hmm. And wonderful, wonderful documentary. If you haven't seen it, it is on Vimeo. So you can, um, Oshun, Oshogbo, Sacred Journeys. Um, the series was a, a wonderful series, a six-part series that, that showed uh, pilgrims, spiritual pilgrims from the United States going to different locales around the world, for spiritual pilgrimage, and our episode showed our pilgrimage to Oshogbo for the Oshun Oshogbo Festival. Um, really wonderful, and also showed the initiation story of Alafia, who some of you may follow. She's a wonderful uh, personality and um, media strategist, and uh, also of Oni, the two sisters that got initiated. Wonderful, wonderful piece. Um, really tastefully displaying the tradition. Of course, you never know with TV and, you know, sensationalism and all that how things will come out, but they did a really, really good job, especially for those who may be new to the tradition. Um, It's a wonderful, wonderful resource. We've screened it a few times at the conference and and also during our ADRSA Film Fridays, um, which we have once a month film screenings. And I'm sure we'll screen it again, but you can definitely check it out on Vimeo. Also, uh, The Story of God with Morgan Freeman. I'm in an episode of that. It's season two, episode three. There's a segment on Ifa divination and how it helps to uh, prove to us that spirit exists and what kind of proof we get through our divination practices. So you're invited to check all those things out as well. I um, It's really, 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 again, a true honor to get to represent our traditions, to get to share them, and to get to be the portal and the gateway to bringing our people back into this. You know, Ashe Ray, one of our mottos is that this is Africana spirituality for the people. It's not a click. It's not a club. It's not a place where we're trying to put up a velvet rope. I want everybody, everybody, everybody to connect back with their ancestors and to find their greatness. That is for everybody. So everybody's invited. <laughs> sure. Excellent. And then um, before you go, I wanted you to give um, the names of the other presenters um, besides um, our, our dear um uh, Her Majesty Queen Mother uh, Devotee, um, the other other keynotes, and as well as the featured artists. 
Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So we are very honored to have Ugon Dr. Patrick Belgard-Smith, who's going to be our opening plenary speaker. He's Professor Emeritus of African and African Diaspora Studies from the University of Wisconsin and also an initiated Ugon in Vaudoux. So one of our primary sponsors for this year, we're so happy um, to, to just send so much love to the Congress of Santa Barbara, also known as COSAMBA, which is an association dedicated to the study of Haitian Vaudoux and other diaspora religions, other Africana religions. And so um, we have a panel that is sponsored by COSAMBA that is going to focus on Haiti and beyond called Spirits. Saints and Ancestors. Listen to some of these titles, y'all. Spirits, Saints and Ancestors, Orchestrate Life and Death in Haiti and Beyond. And we have our featured artist actually speaking on that panel. Her name is Vladimir Sibyl Charlier, and she will be speaking about um, the series that she did called Pantheon, which, from which the conference images, so when you go to the site, adrsa.org, you'll see some of the conference images uh, these are her images where she did a mashup, beautiful mashup of African-American artists such as Miles Davis, Aretha Franklin, Jimi Hendrix, with the saintly depictions of some of the Vaudoux Loa. So Miles Davis is done as uh, Bawon, um, Aretha Franklin is done as Gambrigit, Right, and really interesting mashup um, of these images. And so she's going to be speaking about uh, her motivation for creating that series and, and her desire to honor the ancestors through that series. Um, we also have uh, Dr. one of our leadership council members, Dr. Kira Malika Daniels from Boston College, who's going to be speaking about Vaudoux art of the Haitian Revolution, the 2010 earthquake, and COVID-19, talking about this way in which art has been a healing force in all of these uh, deep transitions that have happened in Haiti, so at the period of the Haitian Revolution, at the period of the earthquake, and now during the pandemic that we are facing. So lots of lots of wonderful, wonderful uh, presentations. How Elegbo was born, memory, death, and rebirth in Yoruba spirituality. That's Dr. George Bransden coming from CUNY. We have In the Tree of Life, Towards an Africana Theory of Life as an ontological progression. That's from our Dr. Alana Jefferson Tatum <laughs> and Tuff. Just wonderful, wonderful things. Um, and we have a, also a panel that's going to speak about uh, the law, so spirit law, space reparations, and the policing of black bodies. Um, speaking about, we have Dr. Danielle Boas, who's been with us several times, who's uh, also a lawyer, so she speaks about some of the legalities and things that folks in our tradition deal with in, in those regards. So wonderful, wonderful breadth. Like I said, over 20 scholarly presentations, plus the keynote, the opening plenary, plus the parties, plus the films. It's, it's, it's just <laughs> going to be all that. So <laughs> I need you to be here. That's it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be all that for sure. <laughs> wow, wow. I'm sure a lot of Your work went into this. Oh, and wait a minute. I had promised I was going to turn it back on you for just half a second. So we're also <laughs> thrilled to have you coming through with a wonderful virtual tour of the um, Ma'afa 25th anniversary. So tell us. 
Um, let me put on my interviewer jacket. <clears throat> Please, Sister Wanda, <laughs> tell us just a little bit about what we're going to experience with that. Oh, <laughs> sure. Well, here in the San Francisco um, Bay Area, um, I'm co-founder of the Maafa uh, commemoration here, and we celebrated our 20, uh, was it 20th? Yeah, <laughs> uh, 20th and 20th anniversary last year, and um, we uh, we weren't able to, um, you know, to do anything um, in the community, but we did want to, I mean, I love art exhibits, so we didn't want to, like, let the year pass without any kind of honoring of, of this opportunity that we've had to lift up the names of our ancestors um, here. So, so one of the the ways, one of the things we did besides the the actual commemoration in October and in June was to have an art exhibit which features um, three of our main photographers: uh, my daughter Tassine Sabir and um, Alan Kimara Dixon, who is in Georgia presently uh, in Atlanta. He was in the Bay Area, and uh, and Baba um, Anyinka, who uh, documented. Um, our, our 2019 commemoration. So we have we have slideshows, and then we also have featured artists like Lorraine Bonner, who has a film, and we have um, the slideshow from Kimara, and we have a slideshow from um, Baba Anyinka, and we have other artists, uh, Michael Ross, um, who is a um, mixed media art- artist. We have William Rhodes, who is a mixed media artist, and we have um, Sister Marva Reeds, who um, is a sculptor. And uh, and then I have um, I have a film an interview when I was in Senegal with um, uh, the family of um, of um, of Mom Fatou Sek, who uh, whose daughter uh, uh, Mom Ulimata, who is now an ancestor, uh, who keep the uh, the tradition of of healing that's a woman centered that the women are doing it and they heal through song, they heal through um, through medicine like milk and uh, and other types of medicine, and they're also Muslim. And so I have an interview with her, which is also part of the exhibit. So the exhibit is really multimedia, and it's it was so fun, you know, um, sort of creating this this art um, this art gallery. Um, really wonderful young woman um, named um, our last name is Mosley, and and she uh, she took my vision and she she uh, erected the altar. I mean, uh, erected the gallery for me and took all of these uh, pieces that I curated and hung them, and it is just—I just love it. I I would hang out in here like often <laughs> after it was built, and so I wanted to share this with with people, the, both the art steps as as a pro as a uh, um, as an opportunity that for people who are artists to be able to showcase your work, but also. Uh, to showcase this particular exhibit, um, Maafa as a Bay Area 2020, uh, Maafa at 25. So, anyway, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, well, we are going to be honored. So this is going to be on Sunday afternoon. We're honored to have you come and share just a, a piece of that. And also we'll be sharing the link where everybody can experience the entire uh, virtual tour and um, Sister Wanda will be giving us a, a piece of the tour and, and pointing everything out to us to help us navigate 
during the conference uh, weekend on Sunday. So I'm so excited to have you as a part of it. Um, I'm just really looking forward to everything that's to come. I want to thank you again for having me. I'm about to get ready for the midweek recharge (laughs) in just 15 minutes coming up. So, again, family, you're welcome to join me over there, youtube.com slash Ray prayer and meditation time, and then we have our co-work cafe after that. So anybody who's at home feeling a little bit isolated, you're welcome to join our co-working space. Uh, We just play some tunes and everybody's working on what they're working on. So it's a beautiful time. But thank you so much, uh, Sister Wanda. I just send so much love and light to all of your work. Um, I pray continued blessings for you. I pray for you to continue to have success in everything that you do for your reach to be far and wide, and for Ide Bobo, all blessings for you today, tomorrow, and always. Ashe, Ashe. All blessings, always. Ashe, Ashe. Ashe, thank you so much. And looking forward to seeing you next week with all of the other wonderful participants and, uh, and attendees. It should be really great. Ashe. Ashe, give thanks. <laughs> give thanks, my sister. We'll be back in touch. Take care, everyone. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Please seize the day. Be joyful. Be productive. And love on yourself like nobody else can. Odabo. <laughs> uh, thank you. Good. Um, yeah, peace and blessings. <laughs> okay, so we have about 15 minutes until our next guest joins us, um, Sister Makita Essie. She's going to be talking about... Uh, love, Poetry, and Recovery, and I have an interview with, gosh, um, Andrew Saito, who is the um, playwright for Brer Peach, and along with uh, some members of the cast, and Brer Peach is going to be um, having a uh, a theater party on the 17th at Alter Theater, and it's, in, it's episodic, this wonderful retelling of the story of Brer, the Brer Tales meets uh, Peach Boy, a Japanese African American excursion. So I'm going to play a little bit as like a teaser, and if you want to hear all of it, then you can go visit um, Wanda's Picks in the archives or iTunes for the rest of it, which aired last Friday. Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program with the African Sisters media network and we are so excited to be speaking to um to andrew saito about his new play uh brer peach which is opening at alter theater uh next week and on the air is uh michael uh jean sullivan one of our favorite uh really favorite guests both of them are um, they've been on multiple times and and we're going to be joined in a few minutes, I presume, by another member of the cast of this great play, which is like, oh, my goodness, what an exercise in collaborative work. Um, Andrew, wow, um, you know, all of these different key players involved in being able to bring this work to life, which you rewrote, um, you know, for an audio uh, presentation. I bet that was a lot of work. Indeed, indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you, Wanda. I will say that in a way I feel like I wrote it for the audio presentation because when the, uh, the radio opportunity came about last year, um, 
the play was in a much earlier stage. And so one of the great um, things has been, you know, the audio production gave me great incentive to, dare I say, it was already finished, but it was a pale version of what it currently is. And so the collaboration mm -hmm. of Michael and Raisa, who will join us, and particularly I want to shout out um, Ivan Kandiria, Artistic Director of Partner, Parsnipship, the producing mm -hmm. partner with yeah. Alter Theater. Ivan served as dramaturg along with um, um, uh, another awesome dramaturg in the early stages named SB. Um, I will get you mm -hmm. SB's full name right now. Um, um, but, but, but their dramaturgy of Ivan and Espy was really, really um, crucial, Espy Proctor. They're, they're both in New York. So this is also a, both a bi-coastal nationwide, because <laughs> we have an actor, Crystal Lucas Perry, in, in Detroit, and I'm in Mexico. I'm in Mexico for months now. And You're in Mexico? Like oh, a, wow. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So but, but the collaborative aspect has been totally central, totally, totally fundamental and central to it. The plague reaching its current form. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Risa, um, Risa, how, uh, Risa, Risa. How do you pronounce your name? It's Ressa. Ressa. Okay. And how do you mm -hmm. pronounce your last name, Ressa? Machina. Machina. Yeah. And you are the kid. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Correct. With the, with the with the magic peach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the magic peach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, I can hardly wait to hear you all bring this work to life. Oh my goodness. Oh wow. Um Michael, you play so many different roles as uh an incarnate spirit. Um you know, you're having a lot more fun yeah. in in the new uh way you can choose different bodies as opposed to the old body <laughs> that was tired of being a bellman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was interesting. I mean, there was one part we were when we went back um, last week, and we were you know re-recording some lines to try to get everything just right before it's going to actually get all put together. And mm -hmm. and I was being asked to go back. I was like, well, can we get this one line from you? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go back and do that one line. And then I was like, well, why don't we do the lines going into it and the lines coming out of it? And I was like, all right. And then I realized actually those were all my lines. I had the line before it as one character. <laughs> You know, as like Br'er Cicada, and then I had to do the catfish line. Then I had to come back as somebody else, and I was just like, oh, God. It's fun doing it, but, you know, it's getting a chance to really – you can stretch in a lot of ways doing radio in a way that, that it's difficult to do or impossible to mm -hmm. do on stage. But it'll drive you a little crazy. Mm, right. Not that it was That's a long so trip funny. for me, but – yeah, yeah. Um, I I really want to hear catfish. Uh, catfish sounds pretty pretty phenomenal. But then possum does too, playing dead all the time. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I, I had to play. I didn't get to play possum. You know, we had we, we had an uh, uh, actor in uh, New York. Uh, uh, what's his name? Kevis, who uh. played who played possum. But I had to play. I played possum when he was uh, um, uh, possessed. By the dead spirit right. of Waylon. Right. So I had to keep mm -hmm. popping. It, it was like I said, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Andrew did a great job of writing all of these very, very varied characters for us in this adventure. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. thank you, Michael. Coming from you, a fellow very, very accomplished playwright, that is high praise indeed. So thank you. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, maybe for our audience that doesn't know what we're talking about, maybe we should start with what is this play about, Andrew? And then and then um, I'll read your bios. <laughs> Great. Um, so this play, Rare Peach, is an adaptation of somebody the Japanese. Me? Oh, sorry, that was me. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it's an adaptation of the Japanese fable of Peach Boy, uh, or in Japanese, Momotaro. And um, Grace, I feel free to jump in and fill in. Because uh, okay. you're probably more familiar. But I, this is uh, growing up, so I'm half Japanese, Japanese American on my father's side. Yonsei, I'm Yonsei, which means fourth generation. So my my um, Japanese half of the family came from, over to the California from Japan in the early, in between the 1890s and the early 1900s, right, just at the turn mm-hmm. of the century. And um, but I, w- I grew up uh, not with tons of Japanese culture, but with this one book of Japanese called Japanese Children's Favorite Stories. And the, I had like a dozen or 15 illustrated stories. But the one that was my perpetual favorite was Peach Boy. And it was staple of me growing up. And Reisa, can you brief, would you be open to briefly summarizing Momotaro, the legend? Yeah. Yeah, so um, Peach Boy or Momotaro is a very, very famous, Japanese fable, kind of like Little Red Riding Hood or something, like everyone grows up reading it or hearing it or seeing it in some way or form. Um, Yeah, so it's about a story. Um, It starts with two elderly couple um, and they're, you know, they don't have a child um, and one day the, the the husband goes to the mountains to, you know, harvest things, and then while the wife goes down to the river to wash some clothes, and then a giant peach just flows down on the river to her surprise. She grabs it. She takes it home with her husband, and they're both like, what is this? I guess we'll eat it. It's it's a big peach. Um, and when they slice it open, a baby boy basically comes out or jumps out from the peach pit and um, they decide to raise uh, the boy as their own. Uh, the boy quickly grows up and then one day decides that he wants to go um, what's the correct word? Go go fight some oni. And onis are Japanese um, giants, I guess. And they're usually like the, you know, the bad, evil beasts. Um, but on his way to, oh, yeah, and on his way um, on the journey, he recruits a dog, uh, a, a bird, and a monkey, and they all go to this <laughs> one island that has these uh, big giants, and then they fight them, and then they win, and the giants get them a lot of jewelry and money um, um, because they're defeated. And then, and then Momotaro, the peach boy, gets to bring all the fortune back to his parents. And that's how the story ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you really updated um, Andrew with a version of, <clears throat> of, of shopping online. <laughs> yes. Only, only, only well, it's... Uh, 
only it's a program, and I've heard it. They call it, I know I've heard friends say, Alexa, do this, Alexa, do that. I don't know what that means, I mean, because I don't have Alexa. But, wow, um, technology, it, it really uh, is personified in the work. And, and I'm just just wondering, as as audience, whoa, doesn't Vonda see what's going on? And Vonda is... Uh, <laughs> Is uh, Waylon's uh, wife, um, Michael's wife, and um, yeah, yeah, that's really crazy. Maybe well, we, you could talk a little bit about that. Let, yes, I will address the technology, but let me take a little detour to go into the uh, a very significant update of this play, which is so the play takes place in Gwinnett County, Georgia, which is maybe thirty or forty minutes outside of Atlanta. And I have been going to Georgia to visit family of mine for since I was in sixth grade, if not earlier. I think I was like 11 or 12, my first time went to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so, my, so I talked about my dad's side of the family from Japan. My mom's side of the family traces its roots to Ireland and Austria. Came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. around a similar time, late 1800s, early 1900s. My mom was the oldest of seven, seven white American siblings. Both she and pretty much all of her six siblings married people of color. Um, you know, some of her siblings married have have black spouses. Some of her siblings have have Latino spouses. And so, I was very. I became very close with um, years ago with a um, with my black uncle who's from Southern Georgia, who now lives in this in Gwinnett County and. So I've, it's been like a second home for a long time. And, and so there I, I would go and visit many times. And there I was, this half-Japanese kid from California living with my black uncle and my white, my white aunt, who is one of my mom's younger sisters. And so um, Georgia has, in addition, you know, I'm from California. Georgia has been a very sort of defining place during my, really my adolescence, right? My late childhood and adolescence. And um, I've lived there a couple of times, and so, um, and so it was in San Francisco years, like 2008, summer of 2008, right before I went to um, start grad school and playwriting at the University of Iowa. I was doing a Bikram yoga class near Haight Ashbury, and um, and I had this. It was at the hot yoga. They heat the, they heat the room really hot, and you could do yoga. And I. Uh, had this sudden vision during Savasana or corpse pose in the hot, hot kind of sticky room, sweaty room, of writing a play that was that set this peach boy, Momotaro, peach boy, the Japanese hotel of the boy born from the peach in Georgia, the peach state. And, oh, um, nice. and so that's why, because it has this peach connection, and also I have a lot yes. of history in Georgia, and I have this beloved black uncle and then all of his sisters and I've been down to Tifton, Georgia and southern Georgia many times basically often being um, pretty, or always being the only Asian person there but often you know the times when my aunt didn't come being the only non-black person present right and mm-hmm. and, and, and those being extraordinarily special moments and you know in like in my 20s in particular going down there for like Thanksgiving or my uncle's mother's you know, birthdays, and she's since passed away, but, um, you know, 
And so the play is the the vision was that it was going to be a a fusion of of Japanese and Southern Black cultures and folklores, and also um, um, you know also highlighting my love for Georgia. This kind of fell out of the, the vision, but, but Georgia and Atlanta in particular is a very multicultural international city, and so I also wanted to highlight Georgia's diversity. Again, that kind of fell by the wayside. But then the Amazon thing entered because this, I was spent a couple months in Georgia last this past fall, and one thing is I drove I, a couple of times I drove by what once was this big expanse of forest, and um, there was oh. a lot of clear cutting going on to build an Amazon fulfillment center. So that's how the Amazon mm-hmm. aspect and Alexa and the technology oh. entered the play. Oh, wow. And, and it's so apropos that the play will be opening right now because of the the union um, unionizing of, of the Amazon employees because of how horrifically they're being treated by the administration, um, <clears throat> well, the uh yeah, the company uh, administrators around around breaks and and even you know payment, particularly when people get sick. Uh, so it's so it's like perfect timing that this will be happening, mm. and I, I hope they are able to to be able to formalize that union because it'll be the first union in the company, uh, you know, in Alabama, not, excuse me, not not Georgia, but it's still in the South. Not far. <laughs> I mean, Alabama's not far from Georgia. So so it's just really, you know, sort of lifts that particular um, activity um, or action, you know, sort of, in, I guess what do you call it, reinforces it, which is in a good way. Mm. Well, once again, that was just a little teaser of the hour-long interview I had with um, Andrew and the other two guests. Um, last week, so you can listen to it, and don't forget to uh, be at the uh, um, the preview, not preview, but debut of, of this wonderful uh, radio play this coming weekend. It's going to be really, really fun, and you have an opportunity to listen to episode two, three, uh, all together at one time with one, or you can um, spread them out. So we are so excited to have uh, in the studio Mama Makita Essie. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you this morning, Wanda? Oh, I'm so good. I'm really good. I'm so happy you're still here in the Bay uh, before you head on back to Texas and then on back to Africa. (laughs) You know, I was thinking just... um, there's nowhere, and neither one of those places are, are as beautiful as it is here right now. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. beautiful outside here in California. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes, we are in a beautiful spot, northern California, San Francisco Bay Area, to be precise, if you all want to, like, pin it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's a place I've never been. I need to go there. But I'm I'm really excited to have this conversation. It's been, I don't know, we've been talking about having it for a long time. I know um, when I when I call you, I kind of like I want you to answer, but then I don't because I want you to say, I was created in love, and love is what I am. Leave a message. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, yes. 
That yes, has been yes. my um, <laughs> that has been on my answering machine for ten years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's real. It's it's all that there is. And I remember when that came to me, I was a part of a um, a group that was studying uh, a course in miracles, a course in miracles, and that was the study for the day. And that was simple and so true. I was created in love, and love is what I am. And I feel like if I can aspire to that in my life, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how are you defining love in the context of of your life? And, and you're an elder, and so you've you you know you carry history in your in your in your bones. <laughs> Let her, you know, it flows through your your veins, you know, and and you perspire it, you know, all this wisdom, and then it comes out your mouth like, well, aren't we so lucky? Um, yeah. <laughs> how how do you define this love? And you, why don't you talk a little bit about your family? Because your family, uh, your your mom and your dad, you know, and your sister, you know, that that nucleus uh, sounded like, oh my goodness, we should write books about this. Well, I um, I think there should be more words, not just love. There should mm. be more words. <laughs> and I don't know what they are, but love, mm-hmm. sometimes I think we, I mean, I, I guess to each their own, uh, how they define it, but mm-hmm. there's so many different aspects of it. But I think that when I say that, I'm talking about power, and 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 I'm talking about one power, the you know the kind where you stick a seed in the ground and it comes up as a tree. That that thing right there, that 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 um that is more powerful than everything. Um, and I don't know if you can call it or something or define it, and it's and 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 it stays in one place because that's not true. So there's mm-hmm. romance and love and friendship and all kind of stuff, but. I don't know. When I experienced love, that's everything. And yes, I was I was born. I was the first um, second one born here. I come from a family, three girls, um, and and my mother and father. Who the song that I define them by is my my, my daddy was rich and my mama was good looking. Summertime, because <laughs> <laughs> and um, and he because he my father really. Like really, really loved my mother, and um, and and he expressed that in in a lot of different ways. And I, my mom died when I was nine, and so I I never I don't know he had some kind of practice where he didn't show us their anger. I'm sure they had some fights or whatever, but we I never saw it, and so um, I mean. I, I felt it, but 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 I never saw him treat her in any kind of way other than uh, loving, or or like if he was angry, he just he would do things like not eat, because he was from Louisiana, he had all kind of little <laughs> things that. But um, one of the things um, that that I thought about when I think about them, I um, I think about this poem I wrote. Uh, titled um, 
a Catholic. Uh, it's called Fat 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 Tuesday, mm-hmm. and um, it goes like this: We went to Nana's house for Catholic Friday fish and fries, coleslaw, pound cake, and scrumptious icebox lemon pies. But my favorite day was Tuesday, when those who were able could hear my daddy making love to my mama at the table. He made love creative like fairy tales and fables to describe how good mama's food was to those who sat around the table. Visitors would smile and blush, even Auntie Mabel, when they heard my daddy making love to my mama at the table. Oh, daddy was dramatic. Mmm, ooh, baby, this is good. He moaned and groaned for and crooned for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and as often as he could. Mama blushing red like beans and rice, daddy's favorite. Pass the hot sauce, honey. Then he'd kiss her sweetly on the cheek, not just once but twice. Many years have gone by since I sat at that table. Now I don't believe in fairy tales or fables. But I'd do anything if just one more time I could hear my daddy making love to my mama at the table. <laughs> so that's how I remember them. He was from that's Louisiana. Lovely. He was from <laughs> East Texas. And um, and that's you know, that's 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 how I grew up. My sister older sister was born in Texas. She was ten years older than me and then I had a middle sister uh, who um, who who let me sleep in her bed when um, when I peed in mine, and um, and told taught me how to tie my shoes and my ABCs. We were only a year and uh, nine months apart, and mm-hmm. I was very close to her. Uh-huh. And uh, her name was Caspera, and. Um, Casper, which I think uh, that they were at meet me at the Casper or something when oh. my mom went into the she they were at the movie, and so mm-hmm. my father named her that, but she got a lot of teasing around that. I was glad I wasn't the one uh, <laughs> who got that name, but um, she was um, she was special. She never got over my mother's death. And she lived her life, um, but um, she she passed away very early too. So um, so that was us. Yeah. And then I come from this huge extended family, huge. Mm-hmm. My grandmother had nine granddaughters, and, uh, oh. <laughs> and and her house was central, you know. And so yeah, and and a whole lot of relatives down in the country. Mm-hmm. So that's that's me. I I, I uh, was raised in Catholic schools, in and um, and my father was a longshoreman. My mama stayed home, mm-hmm. and uh, and took care of my daddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. that's me. That's how I grew up. That's my right. bio. I fell in mm-hmm. love with um, words in the first grade. My sister Mary Agnes read um, uh, Trees by Joyce Kelmer. And um, and little boy 
Blue by, uh, uh, let me see, I think his name was Eugene Browning. Mm-hmm. After my mother died, a whole lot of things went on. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have your mother, I, I, people who have their mother walk around in the world differently to me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that happened is that, you know, there were lots of men around, so uh, so there was, the men were touching me early. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so I wrote something about that. Sure. Uh, it, happened, it happened in the garden first. Thunder in the silence between blinding light and the roar of thunder, she held her breath and died a little under the influence of an incestuous hand, the filth of betrayal, the scourging of innocence, the lash of shame, light flashing, breath filled, a deep rumble, she died a little again, and um. And I wrote a lot of songs, I mean, a lot of poems about about um, about that when I got mm-hmm. older. Uh huh. But um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Let me uh, let me let me interrupt you here, um, um, because we're gonna have to have you on again because we we can't we can't do justice to your life in in thirty minutes. <laughs> but. Um, but I, I just wanted to mention that when uh, I don't remember when I met you, but I do remember knowing that you did a lot of um, you did work with uh, with children, with young people who were um, under and unhoused, as well as young people that were were troubled for a variety of reasons. And uh, and then and then I know you did some work with uh, young mothers to be, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you, you you were like a social worker and in, in your in your work life, social worker um, uh, kind of um, you know counselor. And then I also know that you did some work. Uh, I know you have done work and you still do work uh, in the recovery. Um, uh, you know, recovery organization, um, you know, what is it, AA or something like that. And mm-hmm. I know you've done some big things internationally with connecting women, and it's with women specifically. I know you've done a – you seem to be more healing women-centered, um, But I, and I know that with the recovery group, it's, it's international. Uh, and I want – and I know you con- you're continuing that. Uh, you also, um, you know, have hosted some really wonderful – uh, poetry readings that are also international um, and transcontinental, and and I know you're a really wonderful mother, and you were a young mother, and 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 you were in the custody of the state for a minute, and you talk about that as being kind of saving your life. Um, so anyway, um, just sort of some things that I know about you. But do you remember when we met? I don't remember. Oh, and also you you're um, you started um, a bureau. Uh, of the um, Post Incorporated, and um, I think in Richmond, and so you're also a journalist and an editor. Well, um, yes, we met. Um, I met you. Uh, you were on a panel uh, of writers 
um, Laney. I, I don't remember what the topic was, but mm-hmm. um, I was um, I was uh, working for the Post, and I um, uh, was responsible for uh, for producing the South County portion of the Post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh huh, and um, yeah, but that was like a dream come true. It was the internship that the you know, because that's what I wanted to do when I grew up. But then I, you're right. I when I was um, you know, as a result of some of those things that went on as a child, I left uh, my grandma's house uh, really early. I was about twelve. And this is during the 1968. It's now around in the 19 early 60s, and um, and that was not unheard of back then. There was a lot of runaways and people, you know, that sort of thing. So so I yes, yeah, so I spent some time in in juvenile hall in California Youth Authority just because I wouldn't, uh, you know, stay home. <laughs> and um, and I and and I I believe that that. And then I got pregnant with my son when I was 16, and that saved my life. They emancipated me, and I was able to get my own place and um, and, and start on my my journey. And you know, mm-hmm. with my son, I spent the day with him uh, yesterday, the morning. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he's 53 years old now. Can you believe it? I told him you're almost as old <laughs> as me. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 um and I I spend some some time. People say sometimes when they see us together. <laughs> my friend used to say, "When you two are in a room together, I, there's nowhere anybody else to to fit in. The love is just you know all over the place." And mm-hmm. uh, and I do. I love my son like that. And um, mm-hmm. and I was telling him yesterday just how. How much I, how much, how who, how much having him shaped me. Not just having him, but keeping him. And mm-hmm. and and then I was apologizing for the part of me that was a child. Um, but then we talked about the part how he went to his first James Brown concert. He was like five months old. <laughs> mm-hmm. I took him everywhere with me. <laughs> and. Um, and you know, just the journey as a child raising a child. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so <laughs> my son, I, my son uh, uh, was um, my son went from uh, came from a fifteen year old, and um, and ended up at uh, one of the most prestigious colleges um, in the United States. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, it had darkness for five mm-hmm. years, and um, and he's if I if if I had to, had to do it over, I would encourage him to go to uh, Morehouse or something like that. But he was mm-hmm. all about that football and stuff, so that's what he was doing. I I, I uh, but but he's every. I mean, it's like he's. He's just a good man. He's a good guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think that some of that has to do with me being as young as I was. I didn't have any brothers. I really didn't know anything about boys. He taught me everything. And so, um, 
um, we're still like that. He so he called me like two o'clock in the morning and this morning, uh, because he was on his break and thanking me for hanging out with him yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any poems about a being a young mother? Hmm? And and I and I don't I don't I don't discourage other young mothers from having their their children. I have a daughter who's forty five. I she was I was twenty three when I had her and, and, and you know, and settled and had a little experience. She's a different person. I love her so much. She's so she's so driven in life and we're like opposites and I admire her uh, for her um her like a, she's she's like um, immediate about things and uh, she speaks her, her her what she she says what she wants to say because I allowed that and uh, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit too much sometimes but um I, you know I'm I'm just grateful for the gift of motherhood today mm-hmm. I'd be free today though. It's like I'm not bound by that anymore, <laughs> and I have three granddaughters too, and, and they're independent. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, what do you want to talk about in, in our concluding few minutes? Um, do you want to talk about Africa? Do you want to talk about recovery? What do you, What do you want to talk about, and what do you want to share uh, in the way of poetry? Well, you know, it's a whole lot of stuff I would like to share, um, but if it's just a few minutes left, I, I think that what's important for me in this phase of my development as a black woman is that um, that I pass on what I, the wisdom that I've gained along the way as, as well as uh, live for myself today and love myself today and, and um and 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 my, it is my passion to um, to connect uh, Africa and United States financially um, and through entrepreneurship. And but it is my it is my call, my purpose, my primary purpose is to carry the twelve step message to alcoholics who still suffer. And in 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 um. In Ghana, it's an abomination for a woman to be an alcoholic. So there are no programs. And the pandemic gave me the opportunity to start a meeting and last a meeting online where nobody has to know that they're going, right? And so uh, last, last weekend on last Saturday, uh, and it's a, it's a meeting specifically for black women, by the way. Um, uh, uh, there was uh, Kenya and South Africa and uh, and um, and Nigeria and Tennessee and New York and California in the house. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And so that's 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 what I do um, now. And I plan to go back to Ghana in um, in August uh, because that's where my spirit lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> August twenty twenty one, like this this year. Well, I don't know. I don't have a ticket yet, but I'm going back in August. Uh, and 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 I'm I chose August because the rainy season is June and July, or I'd be gone mm-hmm. then. But um, 
and the mosquitoes come out. And so I just try to, yeah. And so while over there I was um, healed from um, cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, and and so I that's where I go to be healthy, and I come back here because I love you all and and the United and and the people here, but uh, my kids and everything. But my 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 spirit thrives and lives in Ghana. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and you said I only <laughs> have a few minutes left. I would like to read the uh, unapologetic. Oh sure, yeah. You have more. You have you have time for more than just unapologetic. But go ahead. You can do a couple. And so, and so one of the things that I have found is that in in everywhere I go, there's there's something that goes on for women, and and, and that breaks my heart. Uh, that that includes Africa, and that's that. Um, you know, I don't know. It would take too many words and too long to talk about what I've learned about uh, how black women move about and how powerful we are and and that I am not African and I am not American. I'm whatever uh, strength and hope and um, uh, that came out of both of those uh, cultures. So I I wrote this poem for my sister. I'm going to read that first and then I'm going to read it unapologetic. Is that okay? Yes, that's fine. That'd be perfect. Okay. This is for the women. This is for my sister. And women, every color, everywhere, every culture, every creed. Kasra. In the summer night, she was still beautiful. In the summer light, she was still beautiful. And you, if you look close enough, you could see. It was the way her left eye drooped just a little and that tiny scar just below her bottom lip, and the way her top lip was just a little bit bigger on one side, and the chip in her front tooth, he said, gave her character when she dared to smile. It was the way she flinched if you made a sudden move and the slight limp she had from his size 12 boot the day she burned his dinner. It was the way she lowered her eyes so you couldn't see her pain. It was a night she said no, but he took her and took her and took her anyway. And the shame and brokenness she felt when he whispered, I love you, after. It was the soul sickness that made her body smell, her posture bend and hope turn a blind eye. It was the way she didn't matter. It was how he never really looked at her or wanted to hear what she thought or felt. It was that baby wrapped in newspaper and disposed in a metal trash bin that served as a casket and a lifetime of dreams she had about love dumped in a lonely, dark, nasty landfill. In the summer light, she was dead, but still beautiful. And if you look close enough, you could see the needle in her arm. It had become her friend, her savior, and now her deliverance. Her name was Casper. Say her name. And um, I wrote that because um, I never wrote her a poem, and uh, and um, and so I was led to do that. And and I'm working hard to to um, or doing what I'm told by spirit to um, to to bring the light uh, to the 
to, to the darkness of substance abuse. And so, and here's my life story before I went to Ghana, unapologetic. I'm not sorry. I gave it up like liquor and nicotine and making bad boys king and nights that stole the years. I'm not sorry. I'm good like early morning loving, nappy hair, girls with daddies, peach cobbler, and things that dried my tears. I'm not sorry. I'm living in a plus, spitting poetry and loving hard and dissing the C word, sitting on the porch in my slip and copacetic things that ice my fears. I'm not sorry. I'm authentic, like slow dancing, sporting locks, laughing loud, oozing black, saying fitting to, doing juju and other things that make jungle dust if I want to. I'm not sorry. I'm courage, like mama did, daddy gone, 12, on my own, 16, pregnant, bury the middle sister, survive the divorce, bury the daddy, survive, 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 bury the big sister, and live in every, every day anyway, and other strengths that slay the fear. I'm not sorry. I'm light in the dark, blinding, shining, turn me on light, like the sun, every Day, shining light for me to see what my life could truly be and other notes that danced on fear. I'm not sorry. I'm divine like an eclipse or a hood miracle, harvested organs that take my breath away and give them back again. I'm not sorry. I'm love. Pour me out. Scrape the bowl. Lick the spoon, love. Ain't too proud to beg, love. Ride or die, love. Down in the country with the elders, love. Forgiven incest, love. Raggedy draws with the kids go to private school, love. Eight rock, love. Forgiven rape, love. Didn't eat last night, but the baby did, love. Surviving slavery, love. Taking your whooping, love. Everlasting, love. Pushing out a baby, love. Black of the berry, love. Hanging from a tree, love. Taking a knee, love. Die in the Lorraine Hotel, love. Forgiving myself, love. Hanging on a cross and dying, love. And other truths that saved my life. I'm not sorry. I'm free. And so poetry has saved my life in that way that there's a place to go when there's no place to go. There's uh, my pen uh, my pencil and some paper or a computer or whatever allows me uh, to get out of myself and um, and write. So my book, my first book, is um, in in a in publication right now as we speak. And so the nice. next two or three months, <laughs> I will be uh, introducing um, Mami Wata. Mm. Oh, I love Mami Wata. Ah. Yeah, the African mermaid. Nice, nice. Cool, cool. Wow, well, thank you so much, uh, Mama Makita, for joining us. And uh, we'll have to have you on again during this month to continue the story. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mhm. Really, really lovely. Um, yeah, you're you're one of my favorite writers and one of my favorite people. 
and I'm so happy you're my friend. Uh, you know, that's because you're a we're a reflection of each other. I've always admired you and uh, admire your story and and um, and the strength that you walk around with and, and and just, you know, how you love your kids and and do your work and and are able to survive in this place where we aren't meant to. Okay. Well, I got my right. other folks. I think they're in the studio. So um, you enjoy okay. this beautiful day that we have been blessed with, those of us in the okay. day. And, yeah, I'm bragging because um, some people have snow still. Or if it's not snowing, it's cold. <laughs> I know. Okay. Oh, I should so be Madassi, laughing. Sorry. Madassi, mm-hmm. Madassi, Madassi, and I'll see you soon. All right. You take good care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're welcome. So I think this person is our guest. I'm going to try it. Uh, Let's see. Um, Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. And uh, I'm I'm not certain whose number is whom, but I'm trying to get Kathleen and Sam. Did I get Kathleen? Kathleen is here on the 415-505 number. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, if if we're talking, I I clicked your number. Oh, there Cause you go. It, the, yeah, because the way it looks in in the studio is um, it's a microphone, and so I click on the microphone and the microphone, and then you can you're audible. <laughs> so Sam, are you with me? Yes, I'm with you. Oh, super. Can you super. hear me? Oh, oh yes. Hi, Wanda. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And um, I I hope you're not hearing the the gardener <laughs> right now. No, not um, but, uh, but I just want to let you both know that the Bluest Eye, this beautiful production that the Aurora Theater Company has, is presenting that opened last week, um, April 9th, and continues through the 21st. Ah, wow. And, you know, adapted, uh, Toni Morrison's book adapted by Lydia R. Diamond um, and directed by Associate Artistic Director Don Monique Williams. Oh, my goodness. It's just like, it's so wonderful. I mean, the sound effects and you all are so good. Oh, my goodness. It's it's Thank really, you. really a fine production. Thank, Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, instead of my, and I'm so happy, you know, we're able to have have this conversation continuing, uh, you know, thinking and talking about this production. I was wondering if um, I'll read your bios, and then maybe maybe you all could to give, you know, sort of your. Uh, if someone asks you, what is the bluest eye about? You know, what would you tell them mm. <laughs> from your perspective mm. as characters, even you mm-hmm. know, um, in in the work? So I'm going to read your bios first. And and then we can talk about it. Um, so um, uh, Kathleen Ridley, uh, Mama and Mrs. Breedlove, <laughs> makes her Aurora debut with this work. Uh, Bay Area credits include ACT, uh, Marin Shakespeare, Shogun Players, or the Shotgun Players, um, uh, San Francisco Playhouse, Theater Works, Lorraine Hansberry Theater, and Berkeley Playhouse. Film and television work include the feature film, La Mission, uh, the short film, Two Plus One, and the television series, Trauma. Uh, 
Kathleen Ridley is an associate art artist with Alter Theater, and so she knows about Burr Peach, I'm sure. That's opening this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it is very good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it tastes good, and it, it sounds good, too. Um, and it's an alumna of the Juilliard School Drama Division and certified ASL interpreter, and has an MA from the University of Pennsylvania. So welcome again, Kathleen. Thank and you. Thank you so much. I haven't again. heard my bio in so long. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Miss Kathleen. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and you don't, I mean, I know it's ASL, but are, are you still able to, like, do any kind of programming at um, San Quentin given, you know, the coronavirus and the shutdown and, you know, the cease, the cease, uh, the uh, ending of, of um, programming for, I don't know, I don't know, up to now, I don't know. Things are, I hear things are phasing back in. Yeah, but I haven't been there for a long time, and I miss the guys. And I miss, I have to say that I miss being in a room of people that are really working hard to improve themselves and be prepared when they get out into the world. And also are there, like being in a room full of people that are not on computers and not on smartphones that have pencil and paper that are listening and watching and learning and teaching in that environment. So I really do miss them. I haven't been there for quite a while. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And then Sam Jackson, uh, Frida and Garlina, your characters, is a San Francisco-based actor, vocalist, and teaching artist. She was last seen in, uh, at Aurora in Exit Strategy. That was just a couple of years ago, 2019. Her most recent acting credits include uh, Shotgun Players, Vinegar Tom, Kings, and Kill the Debbie Downers. Kill them, kill them, kill them, kill them off. Wow. Okay, that's a lot of dead. Okay, well. <laughs> uh, she is also a company member of Nice Can Comedy, uh, a queer uh, woman of color led sketch comedy group based in San Francisco. Oh, I don't know. I don't know Nice Can Comedy. That sounds heck of fun. Yeah, um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, when, when are you all doing anything virtually? Um, because of the way, uh, nice you know, we can. Yeah. have to live right now. Yeah, unfortunately we are not. We were actually, I'm telling all the business, but we were actually right uh, at the beginning of filming our pilot, um, our pilot show to send out to many networks, and we had a few conversations with some lovely networks, um, mm. and then pandemic hit. So uh, oh. we are in a bit of a standstill. Oh. So we're still meeting and writing, but we do have some videos of our sketches up, if you look at nice10comedy.com or if you mm-hmm. go to our Instagram, which is nice, at nice10comedy. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where okay. you can find our stuff. Unfortunately, we're not doing any live shows at the moment. Okay. Okay. Oh, I thought you were saying you were getting ready to release, you know, your uh, <laughs> your series. I thought you, oh. yeah, your pilot. I thought you were working on it like over this past year, and now it's ready to go. Oh, I wish. Okay. We would have started filming, filming if it was safe. Trust and believe mm-hmm. we were ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, right, right. Well, good luck on that. That sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Sam, since you're, you know, we're, um, I introduce you second, and uh, we're talking right now. So how would you, um, what would you say to someone that's like, the bluest eye, what's that about from from the perspective wow. of, of your character? 
or from your perspective of your characters, um, I know they 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 both have different perspectives. <laughs> so so if you if you were Frida asking the question, what would Frida say? And if it were Darlene asking the question, what would Darlene say? <laughs> I love that. I never get asked a question like that. That's beautiful. Um, Frida would tell you, and for those of you who don't know, Frida is a uh, 14-year-old girl. Excuse me. She's like a 12-year-old girl who is um, a part of the narration of the story. Um, also part of the story in and of itself, but she's part of the narration of the story. And she would tell you that it's about my little town and all the gossip that goes in in the town, um, where there are some parts of the town, like my family, that is really sweet and loving and warm, um, me and my little sister and my mama and my daddy. Um, but there are also some parts of the town that are a little bit darker and a little bit more scary. Um, and it's about sisterhood and friendship and how my little sister and I took in another sister when she needed it. And, uh, and a story about hope because we have all the hope in the world for our newfound sister, uh, regardless of where it goes. Mm -hmm. That's how Frida would describe the story without giving anything away. (laughs) <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, that is that is so sweet. Is um is there some kind of movement happening in in one of the rooms where you all are sitting? Cause I, I hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear, hear I hear like noise. Going on in mine. Okay, Kathleen, uh, I don't is something happening in your room? Oh, nope. Okay. There's nobody but me. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's. Oh, I see what happened. Um. Um. Makita didn't hang up. Okay, I got it. I oh, I see. I, yeah. The, the I was going to say, something happening in your room, Wanda, Sabia? No, no. This, yeah, I, I, yeah, I looked around before I said, no, nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was Makita. Uh, she hadn't hung up. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I fixed it. <laughs> yeah, you never know about these these rooms where women sit, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Everybody want to be your husband. It's the truth. It's the Everybody. truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Miss Kathleen, how would how would you um, how would you say um, if it were Mama? How would Mama tell you what this story is? And then Mrs. Breedlove. Mm. They would tell you such different stories. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Both of them are Mamas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mama is. Um, the mother of Claudia and Frida and the household in which um, Piccola Breedlove is taken into when things go awry at her home. Um, This mama is a loving mama in the strongest way, in the way that somebody Mm -hmm. that you know loves you to the core of your being as a child and fussing at you all the time, just because that's (laughs) what we're supposed to do, to teach you right. You know, and I, so I feel very, very strongly about um, Mama being the person who just embraces people with love and with strength and and with that kind of energy and does does her best to get by and fusses about all the issues of the particular day and still loves all day, all night, every day in the face of everything that, that black people have to go through at that period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. Breedlove um is somebody who is so so very injured by life, so very hurt by the white society she lives in, so oppressed by the way that people look at her, and she begins to internalize 
all of the negativity about black people um, in that time period and take it upon herself and lose value in herself. So as a parent, she has a great difficulty being able to be present to instill the positive images of blackness and of womanhood into her youngest daughter and into her daughter, um, Picola. And she, um, in that way, also invites some abuse in her relationship with her husband. And so it's, it's two sides of the same coin. And it's somebody who, you know, Mama, I think of as somebody who is overcoming and working to work through this and just live life as much as possible. And Mrs. Breedlove is somebody who has just been so beaten down and so oppressed that she's kind of carrying on some of this internalized racism in her life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if right. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. If it's really interesting, Kathleen. I'm just now noticing for the first time that Frida and Darlene and Mama and Mrs. Breedlove are perfectly beautiful opposites, and we both mm. got to portray them. And in, uh, mm. you know, I think Frida will grow up to be like Mama, and because of the things that happened to Darlene, she may grow up to be a little bit more like Mrs. Breedlove. You know. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And just these women at the early stages of their lives before before they really got to figure out who they were. Um, mm-hmm. That's so true when they say the children learn what they Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. whole, the things they say about children learn what they live. You know, you can have yeah. two children who are so much alike, so much potential, so much possibility. And, you know, whatever whatever ground they are put in to blossom is so much of what determines how how they um what they what they go through in life. Mhm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think about um you know how how you all are playing you know um <clears throat> such different characters um and how do you hold that <laughs> as as mm. as artists in in your in your practice like how do you do that? Like <laughs> mm. It is definitely uh, in large part because of the beautiful beings that were in the space with us, Um, Mm -hmm. and of course in the virtual space, but in the heart space, you know, in the emotional space with us, uh, we were very fortunate to have a cast that very quickly felt like family. Um, We only Mm -hmm. got to rehearse for two weeks. And to this day, like, Kathleen Ridley is family to me, period. She's going to be forever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I hope you feel the same way about me, Kathleen. Yeah, no. <laughs> so you know I do. You know, I do you know honey, you know. Um, so that in and of itself was was such a blessing. And I think the only reason that I was able to get through some of the specific scenes that I had. Um, and luckily I had a... a the very hard scene that I had to do was with Mr. Michael J. Asbury, who isn't here today, but is just such a love and such a light and the only person that I ever want to do a tragic scene with again. <laughs> mm. um, and just, just felt very carried. So the burden was lighter because of, because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the safety, and I agree with Sam, the safety in the room is something that sort of allowed you to do that. You just jump in and embrace whatever character there is in that moment and whatever the circumstances that surround them, and you take that inside of yourself, and then you're in this room with these beautiful people that you trust as actors and as humans, and um, 
dive into whatever it is, the, the joyful scenes, the difficult scenes, and to know that we were led in that room by Don mm-hmm. Monique Williams, who just, who just held us, who just yes. held us. So we felt that freedom and that safety and the opportunity to laugh our heads off <laughs> in moments after the deepest, darkest, saddest scenes, just to fall out with each other, and then to be it's in the same room up. and shed some tears together. It, yeah, it was mm-hmm. just, it was beautiful, and that sort of allowed us to open up and be able to play these different characters of different types. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, um, when, when Don was on, on my show with, um, <clears throat> with Michael uh, J.S. Berry last week, and, and he told me that, he was the only man, you know, in, mm-hmm. in you know, in the room. <laughs> and mm-hmm. because, you know, he had raised a daughter, um yes. he, he knew he knew how to to just be still, be quiet and listen and, and when to uh when to uh when to be, you know, audible, you know, when to be audible, particularly since you all weren't in the physical room together. But um but you it was uh Don said that it's an all African American cast and crew, I believe, for the, and and so, and this is the first time Aurora has had any produce anything quite like this, and it, mm-hmm. it's on the 51st anniversary of Toni Morris's uh, Morrison's um, uh, first book, The Bluest Eye, and mm-hmm. and so, um, uh, as, as you mentioned, Sam, that this moment. Of, of creativity that you all had together in just two weeks. Well, I didn't know it was such a short period because um, mm-hmm. it's remarkable. You know, the work is beautiful. <laughs> that um, it was such a short thing, but that it's 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 like uh, sort of indelible. It's like you know, sort of life shape shaping and shifting, and like it's something that now you carry with you, you know, in in your life and in your work. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what made you want to um, to uh, to be in this work? Uh, and I'm sure you probably already know the the the, uh, the work. I mean, everyone knows the name of the Blue Eyes. I don't know if everyone knows what it's about. Um, but mm-hmm. it's like it's a di- it's a dive, and and I was triggered, and I didn't even know I was going to be triggered listening to it last week on opening night. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Oh man, and it's the kind of book that, like, I know what it's about because Toni Morrison tells us what it's about right in the beginning. So you're not mm-hmm. in any illusions about where we're going. <laughs> you just you just don't know how we're going to get. Yeah. Um. You you asked what made us want to take this on. Yeah, um, exactly. Because it's taking it on is is putting it lightly. Yeah. 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 Yes, it's a journey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, because of the humans uh, around it, it was a beautiful journey. It was a healing journey for mm. me, and I can't speak for everyone, but it's something that we spoke about frequently, um, mm. that the journey itself was healing, just being in a black space, being able to speak freely without a white gaze about this pain, about this trauma, Um kind of felt like church, you know, every time we sat down for rehearsal, which was really beautiful. But uh, I, uh, Miss Don Monique Williams hit me up <laughs> um, and and asked if I wanted to be a part of it. And 
Oh, okay. Immediately, I said yes, and it wasn't even a. Um, it was a question of how can we make this work. Not even like I'm not sure if I want to. I personally had never read the Blue Sky. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in our education system, we don't get a whole lot of opportunities to read uh, uh, black authors, especially black female authors, um, especially about truth and trauma. Um, so it wasn't a book that came easily for me. Um, but I always, as you said, I always knew what it was about. I always kind of knew the story. And I always knew that it was powerful. So mm-hmm. as soon as she asked me to be part of it, I just said yes. <laughs> just, oh, working with you? Fantastic. And then I saw the rest of the cast and I fell out, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm there, yeah with, I, I'm there with Sam on that, too. It's just that, you know, I, the email, dear Kathleen, yes, Don, yes. Whatever you yeah, said, uh-huh. yes. Yeah. I'm there. It's like anything that John Monique Williams attaches herself to, you know, is going mm-hmm. to be a, a beautiful journey. And she has mm-hmm. this uncanny ability to gather around her amazing humans. And I think that's because everybody wants to work with her. All the wonderful people want to work with her. And I'm just fortunate to be amongst one of the people to get to. And in terms mm-hmm. of telling this story, it's like, let's tell a black story. Let's tell a black story from a black point of view written by a black woman about black girlhood. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing more important and more precious, especially with what our children are going through now in so many ways, which is not painfully, not all that different from what Mm -hmm. we've been going through for the past hundred years. And I Mm -hmm. feel like that the opportunity to tell a story and and that that has black triumph as well as black tragedy in it is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing and that we get ownership of our own narrative and how this story gets shared with other people. And in thinking about um, reading this work or, or knowing this, of this work when I was younger, I've known about Toni Morrison forever, but this book was a banned book that mm-hmm. people didn't have access to for a while. And right. so, and, and so kids in high school weren't reading that when they were still, you know, when people were still arguing about whether or not you could read Catcher in the Rye, but you were reading Animal mm-hmm. Farm and you were reading all these other stories that we didn't see ourselves in, in the mm-hmm. time, in the time when I was young and just having an opportunity to tell a story of something that Toni Morrison wrote so long ago, but is so prescient and so precious today is is beautiful for me, and I'm proud to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And I know, Kathleen, that you have to leave shortly. Um, so I was wondering if you wanted to uh, maybe talk a little bit about um, about audience. Um, for instance, who are you? Who is your audience as as you um, perform this work? You know, um, in 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 the characters that that you are, um, you know, you are 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 sharing with us in in the work, and um, yeah, I was wondering who who is your audience and, and why. Sure, for me personally, primarily, my audience is Black people. We for mm-hmm. us to have an opportunity to listen to our stories told by our people, and to mm-hmm. to again feel the triumph and tragedy and feel seen. For anybody who's gone through some of the trauma that the characters have gone through, we see you. We see you. We reflect mm. you. For those who have overcome those tragedies and, and like, blossomed and, and just taken off in their lives and their world and their career, yes, we see you. 
And for the white people or people of all other colors who are interested in watching our story and watching us tell our story, welcome, because we want people Mm -hmm. to see these stories and we want people to see what our lives are like through our eyes, through our lens, through Tony's words. So the play is for everybody. But, yes, brothers and sisters, come on and, and be in that room with us and let us share and connect and laugh and cry with you black people of all colors and all genders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Sam, who um who are you um who are you telling the story for and to? Yes, I I second everything that, that Miss Kathleen says and also um in this format for this, this audio play mm-hmm. I am I much more readily give the play to everyone and anyone who wants to listen. We spoke quite a bit in rehearsals about the fact that if we, if and or when, knock on wood, um, we do this show in person, it will feel very differently doing this very black, very personal, uh, very moving play in on the Aurora stage, especially such a small, like a small space, a, a, an intimate space. Mm-hmm. with a predominantly white audience, simply because that's what Aurora's audience is at the moment. Um, and the feeling that that is, because the audience is a whole different character when you're on stage. Um, with this audio play, we got to create it in a beautifully safe space. So now we get to share this art in a way that is, uh, is I want to say, more digestible for us. Not necessarily, it doesn't matter if it's digestible for the audience. I'm sorry, audience, but this place for us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, yes, so for this for this rendition of it, I would say the audience is anyone who is willing and able to listen with an open heart and an open spirit to the story by black folks about black folks being told by yes. black folks. Yes. Um, for when it is on stage... Same, and the story will feel different when it is an, a white audience because that audience is another character. And the story will feel different when it is a majority black audience or a majority Hispanic audience or an audience that knows some of the struggle that these folks are going through. So it is really a, um, it kind of depends on how, how it's being told. So hopefully I'll get to experience the, the other version, but, but for today, what you can listen to now, uh, absolutely for anyone who's willing and able to, to hear it, truly hear it. Right, yeah, and it's a really reasonable, you know, $15 starting. Um, you can go on up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah, for you know, a link to the, um, to the production, you can visit, and tickets, you can visit Aurora. Theater uh, with the re dot org, and you can also call five one zero eight four three four eight two two. And I don't know how much more time you have before you have to scoot, but I wanted to ask you if you could uh, maybe share um, a challenging scene. Um, I think you already sort of alluded to one, um, Sam, and and one that was just so fun or not fun. Fun might be might not be the word for it, but you know a scene that. Brought you brought you a lot of a lot of joy as as an artist and as a part mm. in the work. 
Wanda, first, uh, I just want to say I need to jump off the call because I have okay, so sure. thing. Mm-hmm. So if I can just toss in one thing. One thing that I love yes. so much is that we have a scene where we are three town gossiping <laughs> women. And we <laughs> have so much fun talking about everybody's business up in here and what's going on and did you hear about so-and-so. And we fall out. It's just like every town has them, every black church has them. Everybody has them. It's so much fun doing that scene. And then one of the ones that is, is so hard is just finding um, sort of um, Mama, Mrs. Bre- I mean, Mrs. Breedlove, sort of loss of her um, sense of beauty and loss of her ability to embrace beautiful things and internalize them as a part of herself. There's a point in mm-hmm. this radio play where she, so she loses something that all of a sudden makes her feel ugly. And that's mm-hmm. the way that she lives um, her life. And that's such a hard thing to go through. But, again, so beautiful to go through in that room full of beautiful people. Mm-hmm. So with that, I'm so sorry. I have to go. I'm going to say no goodbye. Problem. And thank you so much for having us on here, Wanda. And I'll talk to you soon, Sam. Yes, I'll talk to you soon, Ms. Kathleen. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, thank you, Kathleen. Peace and blessings. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sam. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, I would 100% agree with those those old ladies, and it is a fun <laughs> game to figure out whose voice is who's voicing those old ladies. But we couldn't get through the scenes half the time, just cracking up, and or other people would have to, you know, turn off the cameras because they're laughing too hard and going to make us break, and you know. Um, <laughs> so those scenes were a lot of fun, even though they are quite trifling. They are trifling women, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're just speaking what they think their truth is in the moment, you know. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, that is a nice scene. And my friend who was listening with me, uh, he said that it reminded him of his mother and her friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the mm-hmm. Exactly. We all know those <laughs> women, you know. And we all have a soft spot. They're always talking about who wash their hands while they cook greens and the whole, you know. <laughs> uh, yes. But um, for the, the difficult scene, you're... Yeah, as you said, uh, is a scene with Darlene. She goes through a traumatic experience, um, which I won't spoil for you all, but uh, it is it's very challenging to, to kind of dive into that. And we spoke quite a bit about the idea of doing it in person and having to... Uh, uh, just drum that up every night. And live through that every night. The very difficult thing that you know it wears and tears on actors. Um, if you don't know how to release it properly at the end of the night and, and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, but again, it was made made to be a beautiful experience um, and a good exercise because of the beautiful humans that we were with. Mhm. Right. Um, yeah. Pardon, I don't know if you hear that yelling in my house. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you, um, you know, for for your part in this ensemble, because uh, you all really do a wonderful job um, of, of 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 you know of representing. Um, you know, I believe, uh, you know, what what our ancestor um, Toni Morrison. Uh, would have appreciated um uh, with regards to her book since and and this this particular um adaptation which she approved 
you know, which is so mm-hmm. wonderfully um, created by Lydia R. Diamond, and um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a different it's a different thing, um, you know. Like the book is not the play, but yes, it it you know it's like it's you know they share they share ancestry, so to speak. <laughs> Yes, and yes. and and you know you know their relatives, so yes. yeah, you all are like you're definitely um, channeling these these characters, and I just love I just love the way that we've had to experience theater in different ways so that theater could continue to be a part of our lives, and the whole idea of a radio play coming back because I I didn't grow up in that period because I'm not old enough, yes. so you hear about people like sitting around the radio. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I wasn't I that person. That. <laughs> right, right. My family right, weren't. <laughs> so it's nice to be like listening, like sitting around my phone listening to the play, <laughs> mm. which is kind of cool. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, so it's I a special thank you uh, kind of throwback. Mm, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So um, since you are... You know, you're my last guest in the studio. Mm-hmm. Do you have any parting words, um, you know, anything you want to share about anything, you know, that you didn't get a chance to um, to, to um, speak of, you know, prior to now? Oh, goodness. Um, nothing nothing that comes to mind, but, but as you were talking about the um, – the idea that we have to now experience theater in such a different way, experience the arts in such a different way. I want mm-hmm. to thank you and all of your listeners and all of the the beautiful humans who are still supporting art in that way um, mm-hmm. and showing up and buying tickets to the to the audio plays or the live stream shows and all those things because we are still working and we are still hungry and we are still trying to find ways to teach each other in in light and loving ways, and I think I personally think that's what art is all about, and especially acting and in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those of you who are who are still supporting it, or or you know supporting it in your hearts, if you don't have it financially, I just want to say thank you for doing that, because uh, it's our world. You know, it's not just our livelihood, but actors we have an addiction to doing this. It's a passion. It's an obsession. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So thank you for for helping me. Uh, and all of us uh, support those dreams and those aspirations to to get beautiful mm-hmm. words and stories out to so many people. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And and I just thought of something else um, after I let you have the closing words to like come back mm-hmm. for a question. <laughs> but I was I just thinking <laughs> about yeah, I was just thinking about you know the friendship between uh, Frida and Piccola and 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 how important it is to have friends and how. How Piccola, she could have been so much more if people would have seen her beauty. Because I think mm-hmm. she was beautiful, but mm-hmm. but her um, the melanin was just was just seen as such a uh, well, not barriers, not the word for it, but it just it just hid everything. Um, and yes. you know, we we hear her always reading, and we think about sort of you know structural racism. And and how we were fed that those of us who had those those primers to read, and and we never mm-hmm. saw ourselves. Well, we did actually. 
a black family did move into the neighborhood. Um, I don't remember which which one of the books. I don't know if it was the Little White House <laughs> or the Red mm-hmm. or the Green. But but a black family does move in. I remember the little boy with a ball, and the kids played with him. And I thought, oh, finally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> How beautiful. Right. But it took a long time to see somebody. I mean, I didn't live in a, a neighborhood like that. We lived in a projects in San Francisco. Hey, girl, um, we didn't know. have a house, but it was but it was all right. I mean, hey, you know, black people have homes. I you know, I mean, I I think was it no Julia didn't have a home. I mean, a house. I don't think. I think they lived in an apartment too. But I knew black mm-hmm. people had houses. I just didn't have yes. one. So so it was yes. all right. But finally, it took a long time. And so you know, the whole way that you know Frida. And her little sister and her family, you know, mama and, and daddy embrace this little girl and, and, and give her some love, you know, just too bad mm-hmm. she couldn't stay there. I just think it's just so wonderful. And I just wanted to ask you if you could talk a little bit um, in closing uh, again. We, we, we might really close. Who knows? Um, <laughs> about, about friendship and, and about, you know, sort of mm-hmm. faith, how, you know, uh, Claudia and her sister, they 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 say, well, we have to give up something so that we can get something because mm-hmm. we really want we want good to happen for Picola, and we're not, mm-hmm. you know. And they they would walk across town to visit their little friend, and and they saw the difference, but they didn't judge between Mrs. Right. Breedlove, the mama, and their mama, and their daddy, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, but there was no judgment in in the writing. And there was no judgment in the view. It was just like that's our friend, and we got to help her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just it, yeah, it was just just really really powerful that aspect. And I think about Toni Morrison's book, and I don't know if you know this one, but Sula. That's another that's another story of friendship between girls. Yes. Yeah, I and tragedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, you would love it. It's, it's a it's a small one too. She's having these little small books, and you can't get through them. I mean, it might as well be 400 pages because I'm like, right. oh, you know, jazz, another small book, like, okay. You can't get through them. It takes a while because right. there's such journeys into into mm-hmm. into these spaces and into these places like ancestral, <laughs> like you're going back 400 yeah. years. <laughs> right, right. 500 years, like, okay, do I have time to do that today? <laughs> mm, hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and what do I need to take with me so I can get back out of that? Like, what do I need to wear? Who do I need to ask to journey with me? Because a hundred percent. Yeah, but this friendship between you know these girls and and their little friend uh, who they love. Yeah, um, yeah. can talk a little bit about yeah. that. I think um, first I'd like to just call not not a call out, but a but an offering. You mentioned that uh, because Piccola's beauty was hidden uh, by her melanin. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that if we're thinking in the white gaze to her, I, I hear that. But I want to say more that her melanin was threatening to those. Ah, oh, um, yes. Because yes. I think that melanin brings out beauty, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that it is important for us to... to uh, encourage that that type of language uh, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, continuing on with what trash people decided to tell us back in the day, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, Um, yes, I like that. Her melanin was threatening. Thank you. Thank you for that that uh, recasting. Yeah, with the power. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those little girls, for, for Frida, for Claudia, they, you know, they knew of Picola before she came to their to their house, before they she needed help. But as Kathleen was saying, Mama was that strong lover. She was a, she was a lover. She's gonna love you, and you might get a whooping, but you are gonna know that she loves you anyhow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and with that strong love in the house, and the daddy's strong love in the house, those parents, those beautiful parents, taught these young girls how to love. And as opposed mm-hmm. to being judgmental, like all the other little kids at school, or like those, you know. The three ladies sitting on the porch drinking lemonade, gossiping, uh, they knew that their friend needed help. And they had their they had their judgments about her initially. And mm-hmm. it's not that they didn't have judgment at all, but they had their judgments about that initially and were open enough and loving enough to let those melt away. And I think that that's a really important thing that uh, oftentimes in stories, you know, it's just, it's this beautiful protagonist that has no judgments or no, you know, no flaws. But these little girls sure did call them peculiar, and they were like, they kind of funny looking, and you know, and then found their friendship in this little girl and realized that she was just a little girl who needed help. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, they do, they sit and they pray, they pray that they can help Picola. So by the end of it, not only are they saying, oh, our friend needs help, but they're saying, like, I am, I'm willing to suffer in their little hearts, you know, what suffering is for them. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to suffer so that she can come out on top. And we promise, promise, promise that, you know, that we'll be good. We'll be good and we'll do all the right things and we'll give up uh, the special thing that we really want as long as you make Picola okay, God. Mm-hmm. And I think there is something so beautiful and so precious about children uh, being willing to sacrifice unasked. You know, it wasn't as though Mama said, be her friend, or Daddy said, X, Y, Z. Matter of fact, Mama had a little bit more judgment in her heart about Picola than the girls did by the end of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the children are just so pure and... And if they are given the opportunity to be so loving and so open to seeing the truth inside of people as opposed to seeing what society tells us about other people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is, a true, it is a true sisterhood. Yes, yes, it really is. And, you know, sort of going back to what you said about, um, you know, that the melanin was threatening, mm. yeah, for the whole family, um, you know, from, from dad, you know, um, uh, Wacholi and um, you know Mom, you know Mrs. Breedlove, mm-hmm. who was beautiful, um, to you know their their child, you know Picola. And what mm-hmm. happens when people are just like broken, like like you could you could yeah. hear the snap in their spirit, like literally, because mm-hmm. you you know like when it happens, when um, when Mrs. Breedlove internalizes the gaze, and like all of a sudden. She doesn't. She looks in the mirror. She doesn't see herself anymore. She sees ugly. Yes. And we, you know, we we heard the snap there. And the dad, you know, um, when when the woman who who took him in after he was picked up off of the garbage heap, he was thrown as a mm-hmm. baby in a garbage mm-hmm. heap, and then he was loved into wholeness, and then she dies. And what happens? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yes. as he tries to be a be a full human being. 
and and that's like no, uh, uh-uh. that's not happening here. Not in this, not yeah. in this culture. Not in this. When we have we have the um, you know the the say, you know the dominant culture telling him, and and what happens, you know, to the family, the loving family when he you know falls in love with, you know, with the person who becomes Mrs. Breedlove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they move away from, you know, the, the the loving core that could have held them up. You know, we think about Ubuntu and I am because you are, right? And you are because mm-hmm. I am. That's how they were able to survive. But then when we migrate to these different places where we're the only one, then there's no right. There's no 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 loving core that we can go back to when, you know, we meet these others and we come back. Yeah. Similar to the to the nursing home that your girls have, their your girls' parents, you know, uh, the cocoon that they had for their girls to be able to return mm-hmm. to. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's very interesting. You have uh, at a certain point, Mrs. Breedlove in the play talks about moving away to a place that she didn't know with Charlie. Um, yes. And there are a lot of white folks. And the specific line is, uh, there was some black, uh, something about there being some black folks too, but they were dicty-like, which is like they were bougie. They were, you know, thought mm-hmm. they were better than. Yeah. It was such a tragic experience, you know, to be there and think that you found love and you found everything and then you show up and even the folks that you thought were going to be maybe your second family are telling you that you're lesser than. Mm-hmm. And and for what reason? And where does that come from? And that all comes from the initial, you know, what society has told us about about our black skin. And and if we happen to be a little more country, then we must not be intelligent. We must not be worthy. We must not be, you know, mm-hmm. um, we must not be. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so it is yeah. it is heartbreaking to see the the shifts or the the differences in these two families because they could have they could have both been beautiful thriving families if not for mm-hmm. fill in the blank you know mhm mhm right right yeah 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 and and I guess um you know fifty one years after she writes the novel <laughs> um I guess yeah you know, I'm thinking about you know lessons um we can just sort of maybe do some examination of ourselves. In, in relationship to our neighbors, you know, other black mm-hmm. folks, and, and how we can be, you know, sort of check, you know, check like, okay, so is it my gaze or is it the gaze of the mm-hmm. dominant culture? Like, how am I looking? How am I perceiving? How am I, yeah. what is my heart saying, you know, to these others, people that are my people? And, and you know, sort of maybe trying to to to, to change or alter it. So that you know we don't perpetuate um the Charlies and the Mrs. Breedloves because they mm-hmm. they have children, and those children are the ones that are the true sacrifice and the true victims of all of this because mm-hmm. they're innocent, you know Piccola, yeah. they're innocent and so innocent too, you know mm-hmm. just yeah. just the most, mhm. Yeah, and and she's just trying to understand it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's I just thought of that. I'm like, oh, okay. 
I, I definitely can. Yeah, that, I mean, I was just thinking, like, yeah, that is a lesson. Because, <laughs> mm. you know, you think mm-hmm. about how good, you know, great literature is timeless. So it's like, what's the lesson yeah. today? You know, yes. And, you know, we, we're coming out of a pandemic, hopefully. Um, who knows when. But things are going to be yeah. different, you know, yeah. going forward. And, and, and we look at each other uh, now because of the pandemic. You don't know. Who's well? Who's <laughs> yes. well? Yeah. And so that within itself is a barrier. Mm-hmm. So how do we we how do we how do we practice safety, yet still have community? Yes. Because yeah. it's really and that important, is, that you is know. Black folks. That I'm asking myself all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, as black people, you know, we're we're people that like being with each other. Mhm. <laughs> You know, we we're not, and we're affectionate you know, we beings too. You know, it's mm-hmm. a it's yeah. a handshake, it's a hug, it's a you know, um, mm-hmm. and and now it's it's hey sis from across the street, I'm gonna put my fist <laughs> up and we gonna keep moving because I don't know you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Lord, yeah, that is um, yeah yeah. It's so different now. Mhm. Yeah, I, I've sort of started like I do like a gesture. I like put my hand on my heart and nod my head because you know you can't mm-hmm. see people's faces, can't smile because you have yeah. a mask on your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, smiling with your eyes. Which I've been practicing yeah. that instead of a mirror. <laughs> Come on, Tyra, go ahead and smile. You know. Yeah. Are you are you are you from San Francisco Bay Area? Like were you raised here or are your people from somewhere else? Uh I was raised in Vacaville, actually. Okay. So, um mm-hmm. yeah, so Vacaville, California. I was raised uh in you know, it it got me because you were saying, I know I know that black people lived in houses, but you know, uh we are the first black family on like this side of the creek, you know what I mean? In the in our little neighborhood. Oh, nice. Um, Congratulations. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. So it was a, now looking back at it, it's like, oh, that's a beautiful thing to know, to be able to claim. And also it was it caused some struggles and trials and tribulations, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully our parents always taught us to, to love ourselves and what we are and who we are. So I got very, uh, very blessed to have uh, a mama and daddy. Uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to a, uh, a Mrs. Breedlove and a Charlie, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and for those yeah. people who happen to be Mrs. Breedloves and Charlies, they can grow and and move mm-hmm. and shake. It is up to the love that we give them, you know. Uh, and uh, and so I feel very blessed to have, to have grown up in my family. And, and so my family is still in Vacaville, but I've been here in San Francisco for the last, Lord, 12 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Uh, you know, laying down roots. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have a friend, um I think uh I think his uh family had property. His father uh, was a realtor, um, Mr. Legrone, and I think they had a house. They have they had a house have a house in Vacaville. But um mm. which is right is it right past Sacramento, right before Sacramento? It's out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Right. Yeah. So, Right after Fairfield, and then mm-hmm. back to the Davis, Sacramento. Mm-hmm. 
Right, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you again so much. It's been really lovely um, speaking to you, and I look forward to meeting you at some point when we can yes. and checking out your, um, your, um, I guess, the uh, uh, recorded um, programs um, for your um, uh, for your um, nice tan comedy. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, do you want to share with anyone, do you have a website or something that people can follow you and just stay abreast of what Sam Jackson is up to? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I do not have a website. I'm the worst in that way. But my Instagram, if uh, y'all are Instagram users, is uh, at little, L-I-T-T-L-E, underscore Miss, M-I-S-S, underscore S-J, as in Sam Jackson. Okay. Um, again, that is, yeah. So, um you can follow me on there. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as Sam Jackson. Um, and a website will be coming soon, <laughs> so keep an eye out. Um, thank you so much, Ms. Wanda, for having me on. It was such a pleasure to speak with you. I've heard beautiful things, and, and all of them were so true. So thank you for having me today. Oh, you're quite welcome. You take good care. Thank you again. Peace and love. You as well. <laughs>